Thank you for supporting the media outreach of New Covenant Christian Ministries. Through the powerful preaching and teaching of Pastor Bill and Dr. Deanne Johnson, family relations are being restored. The wayward are returning to God. And together, we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Join us now for a message that will strengthen you in your faith and encourage you to be all that God has designed you to be. You know, we're still dealing with the ministry of the Holy Spirit, his person, his purpose, and his power. And uh, we have now moved to the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to tell you right now, we are going to actually teach through the fruit of the Spirit, but we aren't even going to get to the fruit just yet. We're going to kind of get to uh, a precursor of the fruit today. But we said that in order to, uh, to really have the fruit of the Spirit manifest in our lives, Paul helps us to see in Galatians chapter 5 that there's some things that we have to do or some things that will allow us to cultivate the Spirit, cultivate that fruit in our lives. And he says it very clearly starting in verse 16. He says, I say then, walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So he starts out by the first thing we're going to have to do is walk in the spirit. We're going to have to continuously live under the control, um, under the influence, and under the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So that's the only way you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. You and I, in our own strength and in our own power, are no match for the enemy. So it is not a matter of self-effort. We can't will ourselves, I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to lust. I'm not going. You can do that all day long, baby. If, the, if we don't yield to the Holy Spirit, if we don't walk in the Spirit, then we will fulfill the lust of the flesh. Then on last week, we said not only do we have to uh, walk in the Spirit, but we have to crucify the flesh crucify the works of the flesh, the sinful dispositions of the natural human heart. I have found in my own life that there are times when I am surprised. Bruh, I actually get surprised because just when I think that old girl is dead, <laughs> just when I'm convinced that she has been completely eradicated, yes. something will happen and I will realize that she had only been taking a nap. <laughs> that or sometimes I feel like somebody went and exhumed that old person. Yes. You know, I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you last week, but have you ever slammed your finger in a door? And something comes up out of you. You didn't even realize that those words were still there. You didn't know that they still were in operation. And they came up so fast, you strung them together perfectly. A reminder that if we don't continually yield to the Spirit of God, there's a fleshly nature that's always wanting to take over. So we have to walk in the Spirit, and we have to crucify the flesh. Today, I want us to deal with uh, verse 22, 
And like I said, even though we won't go through every one of, we won't study through the fruit themselves, though we will, we won't do that today. I want us to concentrate on just the fruit of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. So let's kind of unpack this. What, the, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Essentially, the fruit of the Spirit is the characteristics and the virtues that are produced exclusively by the Holy Spirit. Did you hear me? They are the character and the virtues that are produced exclusively by the Holy Spirit. And notice, when we were reading through the text last week, Paul says, now the works of the flesh, plural, the works of the flesh are these, and then he lists those. But then when he gets to verse 22, he says, but the fruit, singular, plural, plural works, but he says, but the fruit, one single whole fruit with multiple manifestations. It's one fruit with multiple manifestations. Generally, if you do a, some kind of a study or you just Google fruit of the spirit, uh, you'll get some images. And many times images that you get is like a bowl of fruit with bananas and apples and oranges and all that kind of thing in it to talk about the fruit of the spirit. And, it, and that's nice. It's cute. But there is a particular type of fruit that I think best depicts the fruit of the spirit if I were looking for something visually. And it's something that I really like. They're not that easy to find. I love pomegranates. Yeah, I love pomegranates. Now, have you ever noticed it's one fruit? It is just one fruit. But when you open it up, everything, uh-huh, yes, God, everything that you can partake of and enjoy is on the inside. So when you look at it, you don't necessarily see everything that is on the inside of it. It is when you open it up that you see that it is one fruit, but it has multiple fruit, if you will. Multiple, it's more than just seeds on the inside because you got to eat the things that are on the inside to get to enjoy what that fruit is for. So he says the fruit of the spirit is, the fruit is when we crack you open, we ought to get all of it. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Are you seeing that? This is the other thing. At the point of salvation, when you and I give our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of us. He does not deposit one of the graces. He deposits all of the graces. They're all in there. So you can't say, well, I got love, but I ain't got no joy. You may not have allowed him to cultivate it, but it is in there. So he says the fruit of the spirit, the characteristics and the virtues produced by the Holy Spirit are one singular whole with multiple manifestations. So when the Holy Spirit controls the life of a believer, he produces this one unified 
fruit that contains nine different graces. And those graces that we'll look at in weeks to come kind of fall in three categories because they're graces that are rooted in God, love, joy, and peace. But then there are graces that are rooted in our relationship with others, long-suffering. <clears throat> yeah, uh-huh, I feel it already. Gentleness, goodness. Because isn't it, okay, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but isn't it interesting that <laughs> we never feel like we have to have long-suffering toward ourselves. But we rarely want to have long-suffering toward other people. See, so long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness, that's, those are graces towards others. And then uh, faith, meekness, and temperance, that is, those are graces that are toward our own behavior, our own self-behavior, our own character. So unlike the works of the flesh, which come from self-effort, the fruit of the spirit is a result of spiritual submission. Listen to this. I found this in the Jewish New Testament commentary. It says, fruit does not come from efforts of legalistic rule following, but grows naturally out of trust. Arguments for the objective truth of the gospel are necessary. Yet a more convincing form of evidence is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. Meaning that, obviously, we all as believers have a responsibility to share the faith. Would you agree with that? We all have a responsibility to tell people about Jesus. But what he's saying essentially in the commentary is this. Sometimes we blow our best entryway into telling people about Jesus because they don't see him in us. It is the fruit of the Spirit that will many times open the door to the conversation about the one who lives on the inside of us. See, nobody wants to hear me talk about Jesus when I'm mean as a snake. Because the first thing that they want to say is, if he's such a good God, why can't he work on you? <laughs> I thought that would wake you up. Are you seeing that? So, some, so, so while it is important for us to share the gospel, this is the reality. The fruit of the Spirit is what tells people who we belong to. And it opens up that door. I'm not saying for instance, I'm not suggesting that all you do is live hear me because there's some people that say well you know we don't really have to share the gospel you know just live a godly life no it is both and live a godly life and share the gospel make sure that the gospel you sharing is the gospel you live in because when we don't live it, when they don't see the fruit, it is hard for us then to be able to communicate the root. That was good. Man, that was free. So, so let's just look at, I just have uh, about four things here that I want us to kind of look at when we talk about fruit. The first thing is this, for the benefit of your notes, it is this. Fruit reflects the nature of the tree. Would you say that? Fruit reflects the nature of the tree. Look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Matthew 12, verse 33. 
This is Jesus speaking. You know, I, I always tease and say, well, tease is true. One of the old mothers in our church, when I was coming up, she said, you need to read the red and pray for Bible. <laughs> so, you know, when it's in red, that's the words of Jesus. So this is the Lord himself saying this. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. Here's, here's the point. For a tree is known by its fruit. A tree is known by its fruit. You and I will never go to an orchard, see apples on the ground, and scratch our heads and go, I wonder what kind of tree this is. It's obvious what kind of tree it is. You don't have to be a horticulturist. You don't have to know anything about trees. You don't have to know when it was planted. You don't have to know any of that stuff. You can look, you don't even look at the tree. You, it doesn't matter how tall the tree is, how short it is, how wide the trunk is. The way you determine what that tree is is by the fruit that it produces. Am I right? Now, in the same way, the way people determine who our God is is by the fruit that they see displayed in our lives. Interestingly enough, it says, he says, for a tree is known by its fruit. That word known there, it means to be aware, to perceive, and to understand. So the world is made aware of Jesus. They perceive who Jesus is and they understand God as the fruit is displayed in our lives. Many times we create issues for people, particularly people who don't know the Lord, because they can't understand the conflict between the fruit they see and the tree we say we come from. Am I right? That's where the conflict comes. Every single time, the fruit is going to tell off. If you and I find ourselves fighting with the flesh, then it can tell. It's a good indication. That's where we're connected right now. We're letting the roots of our lives connect to something that's not the tree of God. Because every, listen, every tree produces after its own kind. Every one of them. You will never have an apple tree produce oranges. Not going to happen. I went, we were having this conversation one time, a group of pastors, and somebody said this. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That, now this is a hot biscuit. It is, as early as Genesis, God says that everything that was made, all the vegetation, it had, it was, it had the seed in itself. Am I right? Because it produces, it can produce itself from what's on the inside of it. Correct? And we started talking about in this day and age, we find ourselves, when I go to the grocery store and I want to buy grapes, I love those big green grapes. But I have become so jaded that I, in, that I intentionally look for seedless grapes. Mm -hmm. You're going to see where I'm going with this. 
But if it's seedless, then it had to be genetically modified. Come on. It had to be genetically modified because God said that everything has seed within itself and it produces after its own kind. My problem is we've got some genetically modified Christians. The seed is not on the inside. So we can talk the talk. We can use the language, Pastor K, but we can't produce anything because you got to have seed to produce something. The fruit is known or the tree is known by the fruit that it bears. So I got to ask myself, is this really the fruit of Christ? that I'm displaying, or is this just genetically modified behavior? I've learned how to act saved. I've learned how to use the language of the kingdom of God. I've learned to, hey, hey, oh, 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 glory. But as soon as I finish bucking in the sanctuary, I cuss you out in the parking lot. Fruit reflects the nature of the tree. Here's another thing. Fruit requires connection to the source. Fruit requires connection to the source. John chapter 15 Jesus speaking again. He says, I am the vine, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears what? Much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I'm the vine. Don't get it twisted. I don't care how long you hang on, you're never going to be a vine. All I'm ever going to be is a branch. But in order for me to be a fruitful branch, I've got to stay connected to the vine. That's why he says, you have to abide in me. Abide, abide, stay. Stay in a given place, state, and relationship with me. Years ago, many years ago in our first home, I shall never forget, we, uh, pastor was, was cutting the grass and uh, there was a tree that was kind of between us and the neighbor, right? Well, something happened and a, a, a limb, kind of like a branch, fell off the tree and it fell into our yard. It fell on the grass and it had you know, leaves on it and everything. So pastor's mindset was, well, since I'm cutting the grass, let me go ahead and finish cutting the grass. So he finishes the front. He goes around to the back and he, uh, he cut the backyard. And then something happened and he got distracted. So he was never able to pick up the branch that had fallen off the tree. We went off and did something else and didn't think any more about it. And the next day, 
You know how it is, something's in the house, and you know you got to do something about it, but your mind is on something else. So we see the branch there. Interestingly enough, when we looked at the branch, all the leaves were green. They were still green, but the branch was disconnected. But then the next day, when he went to take care of it, he noticed that now the branches, um, now the the branch looked the same, but the leaves started withering because it was disconnected. And we had an aha moment because, see, disconnection doesn't show itself immediately. It progressively starts to show our prayer life starts getting dry. We start coming to church after the worship service because we don't want to stand up. We don't read the word anymore. We get busy. We say things like, well, I would read it, but I get sleepy. But we can watch the Grammys and the Oscars for three hours. Progressively dying. Progressive death due to disconnection. And then we can't understand why I'm irritable all the time. And we want to blame it on other physiological things. Says, if you and I are going to produce the fruit of the Spirit, we've got to stay connected. It requires connection to the source. And again, it requires connection to the source because in and of ourselves, we can't produce the fruit. We absolutely cannot produce the fruit. If we don't stay connected, there will be no fruit. Simple as that. So we said fruit reflects the nature of the tree. Fruit requires connection to the source. Here's the third one. Fruit reproduces through pruning. That same verse, that same uh, rather chapter, chapter 15, verse 2. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit... He, meaning the vine dresser, God, takes away. Look at this. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, y'all, I don't know. I, I don't know about you, but I have had some serious conversations with God on this one. Because, you know, I, I tend to be one who's very quick to say what is fair and what is not. Now, I don't know, but I, I have said, God, that just don't seem fair. This just does not seem fair. I get every branch that does not bear fruit, you take it away. I get that. But, Lord, I'm bearing fruit. And here you come cutting stuff out of my life. Because how many of you would agree? We get comfortable. We get comfortable. We say, God, I'm bearing fruit. I'm walking in love. Don't you see these people? I'm being long-suffering. Now, how much longer do I have to suffer? What? 
But he says, every branch that is bearing fruit, he's going to prune it. Because he's not satisfied with us just bearing what we're bearing now. He wants us to bear more fruit. There's more that we can give. There's more that we can do. This is interesting because pruning is the process of cutting away what is unnecessary in order to make room for what is desired. Isn't that good? When the Lord gave me that, I, I was like, Lord, I see that clearly. It is the pruning is the process of cutting away what's unnecessary so that you can get more of, he can get more of what is desired. Why do I say that? Because many times we, when we start feeling the pruning in our lives, we think that it must mean that we're doing something wrong. But pruning has nothing to do with sin. Pruning has everything to do with preparation for more, for maximum production. Before I moved to uh, Atlanta, when I lived in New York, I uh, had loads and loads of plants. I, I guess you would say I have a green thumb. I haven't tried to use either one of them since I've been here. But I had literally about 100 plants between my home and out on the porch and other places. And I love them. And one of the things that um, you, I used to have to do is when I wanted a plant to grow fuller, I had to pluck off or cut off what looked like perfectly good leaves. There are, <laughs> there are times in our lives when God will come through and he'll start cutting away what looks like perfectly good fruit. It, he'll start cutting away relationships. No, no sin in the relationship. But they don't help us to become everything that God wants us to be. Because you do understand that everybody that's with you, it can't go with you where you're going. You do know that, right? There's some people who hold you back from your destiny. Now, if you're married, don't you look at your spouse. <laughs> don't you go home talking about, well, you know, Dr. D said that you're holding me back from my maximum capacity. Because when they call me, I'm going to say they lied. That's not what I said. Get the tape. <laughs> but would you agree? There are some people, have you ever started talking to people? And even in the conversation, they tend to pull you back. They want to talk about what you all did in college. You know, back in the day when we used to. And it might not be anything that's sinful or wrong, but they are always pulling you back to what used to be. And they have no capacity to hear your heart for what's coming ahead. So God will prune some people out of your life and out of my life. People who are only wanting us to drive with looking in the rearview mirror. And he says, no, no, no. See, there's more room in front of you than there is behind you. And I need you to have people in your life who can help to propel you toward the largeness of what I've got in your future. You can produce more fruit than you're producing now. 
So sometimes pruning, now, and listen, pruning never feels good. Sometimes God will tell you, you, you have lived in a place where you didn't have enough. And then you will get to the place where you've got more than enough. And he'll come and he'll prune you and say, just because you can shop don't mean you should shop. I'm telling you, now I'm telling you what I know for myself. No, no, no. I'm growing something in your life that is bigger than what you can buy. I'm building something in your life. I am building some fruit in your life that is going to cause you to have to practice restraint and discipline. And this is the place that I know if I pluck something from you here, you will give me your attention. See, a good gardener knows, oh, come on, Jesus. A good gardener knows where to cut. If you don't know what you're doing, you can prune a plant and kill it. But the one who manufactured or planted the plant understands completely the best place to prune for maximum flourishing. And because he made us, he says, I know exactly where to come and snip. Snip, oh God, not that. Snip, oh Lord, not that. Snip, oh Lord, how am I going to make it? He says, oh, you're going to make it because what I'm growing out of you is greater than what's in you right now. One of my favorite verses. He who's begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. But it's going to require some pruning. It's going to require some pruning. So we said, first of all, fruit reflects the nature of the tree. Fruit requires connection to the source. Fruit reproduces, I mean, fruit reproduces through pruning and here's the last one fruit remains throughout time fruit remains throughout time anybody in this room over 45 years old should shout on this one oh wait wait you got to hear it you can start but you can start now i like that she's like i'm i'm shouting in faith It's going to be worth it, too. It's going to be worth it. Look at Psalm 92. Psalm 92, verses 13 and 14. I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version first. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Get ready. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Oh! They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Pastor Kay, it doesn't matter how old we get. If we stay connected to the vine, we'll still be fresh and flourishing. There's a reason why you don't look no older than you did 20 years ago when I met you. Because you're still fresh and you're still flourishing. Come on. I love it. 
But listen to it in the Amplified. It says, 13 to 15 says, Planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of our God. Growing in grace, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap of spiritual vitality and rich in the verdure, which is a fancy $5 word that means greenery and lushness of trust, love, and contentment. They are living memorials to show that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. I'm telling you that when you and I continue to walk in the spirit, when you and I continue to crucify the flesh, the fruit of the spirit is bountiful in us and we don't age out. Ah, <laughs> we don't age out. We don't age out. That way we have something then to pour into younger fruit bearers. And we can tell them, I know it's tough right now, baby. I know you'd rather be hanging out with your friends and God has restrained you in your, co in your college dorm and you reading your Bible when they reading porn. But I'm trying to tell you right now that God is doing a work in you and when he gets finished with you, you're going to come forth as pure gold. You got something that is still flat, fresh and flourishing. All these years, I've been prophesying, and I didn't know it. Because I've been saying, I've been careless laughing, because she knows exactly what I'm going to say. I've been saying all these years, y'all know I'm young and fluffy. That's right, I'm young and fluffy. I know, but that's just what I've been saying all for as long as I can remember. I say, I'm young and fluffy, but now I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it and tell them I'm fresh and flourishing. <laughs> My leaves look as good as they did 30 years ago, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The spirit of the Lord is living big on the inside of me. There's no diminishing of his spirit. There's no diminishing of his grace. There's no diminishing of his promise. What he said he's still going to do. I am fresh and I am flourishing. Amen. And all of that happens because the spirit of the Lord lives on the inside of us. And when we yield to him, stay connected to him, the fruit of his spirit that's already on the inside of us. Because, you know, fruit, you don't plant an apple tree and look for apples tomorrow. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I've never grown a tree, but I heard this. I heard that sometimes what will happen is the farmer will choose not to have a crop in, in the first season. When they plant, they will choose not to have a crop in the first season because they know that if they forego a first season crop, they'll have a bumper crop every year after. And the trees will end up producing 
they will end up being so hearty that what will happen is even if there's drought, they will still be able to get a harvest. Where am I going with this? There are times in your life and in my life, we may not see a whole lot of production, but don't get nervous. Don't get concerned. If you're connected to the vine, you may be that one that God says, I'm going to withhold an abundance of crop this season because I'm I'm planning to display you as a bumper crop in the next season and there's some droughts that are coming there's some times that are coming when no water is going to be available but because you stayed connected to me and you allowed me to cultivate that fruit in you you allowed me to prune you when you didn't want to be pruned now when there's no water available for anybody you will still be able to be fresh and flourishing You'll be able to withstand the droughts of life. You'll be able to withstand the hard places. You'll be able to still be joyful when everything didn't turn out the way that you expected it to turn out. So you'll be the one who people will say, how can she still be smiling? How can he still be walking? How can he still be serving in the house of the Lord? And you can say, that's because of the peace that passes all understanding. That's guarding my heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Because my life is not predicated on happiness my life is predicated on the joy and the joy of the Lord is my strength thank you God somebody shout Lord cultivate your fruit in me make me fruitful make me abundant keep me fresh and keep me flourishing In Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information on other products and materials, please contact us at 770-484-9300, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or visit our website at www.newcov.org. If you're in the Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for one of our dynamic services. Once again, thank you for receiving the living word of God from New Covenant Christian Ministries, where we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.